Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Okay, so Daniel chapter 5, starting from verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and all his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. Think a bit back. So Daniel, before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father, king, brought from Judah? I have heard the spirit of gods is in you and that have insight, intelligence and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means. But they could not explain. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you'll be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you'll be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put him put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. 
He lived with wild donkeys and ate grass like ox, and his body was drenched with dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his holy temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of gold, silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mine, mine, tekel, parsin. This is what these words mean. Mine, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and have been found wanting. Peres, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain, and was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Amazing. Thank you very much, Michelle. A lot of verses there, so well done, and thank you. Um, so good morning, everyone. Uh, it is great to be with you virtually this morning, uh, wherever that might be. Um, now, before we get into the passage this morning, I want to ask you if you are feeling Zoom fatigued at the moment. Now, I hadn't even heard of Zoom before lockdown, uh, but this phrase Zoom fatigued uh, really resonated with me. So all these video calls, whether that's work, uh, church, family catch-ups, community group, um, it's all additional screen time um, and it, it can prove quite tiring. And I'm not saying I'm not thankful for the technology um, as being able to still connect with people virtually uh, is a truly great thing. Um, but the lack of seeing um, people in person can, can really take its toll and kind of leaves us longing for things to return to normal. I know for me, um, aside from freely being able to see and hug family and friends again, um, I can't wait till we can worship once more as a church family. We're standing side by side, singing wonderful praises to God. Um, there's going to be something really special about it. Um, but God has really been challenging me on this recently. Am I so preoccupied with longing for the future that I'm missing what God is wanting to teach me now? It's very easy to think uh, once lockdown is over, I'll start doing this. Or once things are back to normal, I'll focus more on that. But what what is God saying to do right now with the time we've been given? What can we learn in this season? And life can get so busy with stuff uh, that even when you're doing something, you're preoccupied with what's coming next. Like I can be on a, a lovely walk, but in the moment I could be distracted about what I need to finish that evening, a meeting tomorrow, or even what's for lunch. And it would be a great shame if when lockdown is over, we look back and realise we had missed all that God was trying to teach us because we had our eyes fixed only on the future. Now, with that in mind, um, <clears throat> I want to pick out some points from the passage this morning, but also try and think specifically to the now, asking ourselves, what can I put into practice right now? So as you've heard from the reading this morning, we're continuing our series in Daniel. Um, and I really love that we're running through this book at the moment, where there's currently so much fear in the world around us, with the pandemic and its repercussions and other, other world issues going on. 
Um, it's easy for us to start thinking that God is absent or questioning whether he is in control. And this book is such a great encouragement to us in times like these. So if we travel back 25 centuries to roughly 600 BC, uh, when this book is set, Daniel and the other Jews have just been captured by the Babylonians after Judah was conquered. And they were deported into exile in a foreign land. Now, Daniel could have easily despaired. But what we've seen already through the early chapters is that even in Daniel's situation, God was still in control. God was faithful and God had a great purpose for Daniel's life. What a great reminder for us at this time. I want to tell you this morning, God is still in control. He is faithful and he has a purpose for your life. So let's quickly recap. The first few chapters of Daniel uh, records the event soon after the Jews were taken into exile under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. So through trusting in God, uh, not wavering from their beliefs, Daniel and his three friends get to a position of prominence, particularly Daniel, as he has the ability to interpret the king's dreams. But now in chapter five, there's this reference to King Belshazzar. So who is this king? So to provide a bit of a timeline, 66 years have passed since chapter one. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar reigned for 43 years, followed by um, a number of other kings whose names I, I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to try. Um, and after a lot of uh, murder and assassination of kings, we eventually get to King Nabonidus and his son Belshazzar, who co-reigned with him. So we have what can only be described as a rather bizarre story, where King Belshazzar is having a great party. Uh, the message translation says that the wine was flowing freely. Hand appears, writes some words on the wall. Uh, Daniel is eventually called in to interpret the message once everyone has failed yet again. Um, and it finishes with the death of the king and the fall of the Babylonian Empire. I'm going to try and unpack this a little further this morning. Um, and want to look at three themes. Uh, so firstly, scrapping idols. Secondly, sowing seeds. And thirdly, speaking truth. Now I want you to think back to the best party you've ever been at. That might be one of your birthday parties, it might be a wedding, um, or maybe even sipping a panda pop at your primary school disco. Uh, so for me, the best party I ever attended, and um, I'll admit I am biased on this one, um, was our own wedding day. Um, it was such a wonderful day, just celebrating with family and friends. Uh, and I remember one moment very, very clearly um, where my cousin and one of my primary school friends who had never met uh, were having a dance off on the dance floor. It was all very surreal. Um, but imagine yourself back at whatever party you thought of. Um, and whilst you're dancing away um, or tucking into another volivon um, or sliding around on your knees at the school disco, um, out of nowhere, a hand appears, just a hand, not connected to a person, and it starts writing on the wall. So I think you'd be struck with fear at that moment. And I'm not surprised it says that the king was pale with fright and his knees physically started knocking together. So what, what, what's going on here? It's not evident until the end of the chapter, but while Belshazzar was feasting in revelry, the city was surrounded by the Persian army. Belshazzar considered the city unassailable because of its massive walls and the vast supplies that he had accumulated. Uh, and therefore, he felt confident to hold a banquet in the face of military threat. So conservative calculations estimate that the outer walls of the Babylonian city were 17 miles long, seven meters thick, and 28 meters high. And then with guard towers, another 30 meters on top of that. So King Belshazzar, unafraid of the encroaching army, throws this big party. And verse two tells us, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, 
he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that his party guests could drink from them. Now, these gold and silver vessels from the temple were holy and dedicated to God alone. So to drink from them as they did was a clear act of defiance towards God. And what is more, verse four tells us as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood and stone. This is clearly a king who has forgotten about God and how he had humbled Nebuchadnezzar. Instead, he was full of pride. His trust was in the defences of his city. and He worshipped idols and was living in rebellion to God's authority. Now, when I was in Hong Kong, um, one of the walks I did went past a statue called Big Buddha. Uh, And it's essentially that. It's a a big statue of Buddha. Um, And as I went around the surrounding monasteries, um, I saw loads of gold idols inside. I remember praying to to God after seeing them um, and just thanking him that he isn't a statue, that he isn't stationary, that we serve a living and powerful God. I also thought how how crazy it was that that people would worship such idols. But the truth is, our our modern idols may not be as obvious as a big Buddha sat on top of a hill. Um, But that's not to mean we don't have them. So work, money, success, possessions. Anything that comes higher in our priority list than God, that's an idol. So as you read this story, I don't want us to automatically think it doesn't apply to us because we don't have gold statues in our homes and we don't drink from holy cups. Let's take the opportunity to evaluate our lives and scrap any of the idols that may have creeped in. So thinking about this current time in lockdown, maybe, maybe you're spending an unhealthy amount of time watching Netflix or scrolling through social media have these displaced god perhaps you've developed a habit of spending too much satisfying your desire for stuff that we want now so we order and get it delivered next day or indulgence in food i know for us we've noticed that our our weekly food shop bills have, have started to increase i think in our we're saving money on our commute so let's indulge a little bit on some more luxurious food We've had to keep in check the number of Domino's takeaways we've ordered um, and not always to great success. Um, I can tell you it's not just Rosalind who is growing a baby bump at the moment. Um, Or perhaps you've struggled with laziness. Um, For me, a big one was work. For a long time now, I've pinned my security and my identity in my job and my career. And it wasn't until recently through lockdown when my company announced they were needing to make redundancies did I wake up to the fact that my security was not residing in God. And Nehemiah 9 verse 6 says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the sea and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. So idols made of earthly things do not bring life. They have no power to help anyone. So let's scrap the idols and focus back on God the God that brings abundance of life and has infinite power. The next point I want us to look at is how Daniel's example can teach us to sow seeds. So God's hand appears at this party and writes three words on the wall. Verse seven says, the king summoned the enchanters, astrologers and diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck. And you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Now, remember, Nabonidus and Belshazzar were co-reigning Babylon at the time. 
So Nabonobus was the first ruler, Belshazzar the second. So the third highest ruler was actually the highest position and honour that Belshazzar could offer someone. None of these wise men in all their earthly wisdom could determine the prophetic significance of the words. So it all seemed lost um, until the queen pipes up, having remembered Daniel and his ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles and solve difficult problems. He says, there is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. Now, she was almost right there, but it wasn't the spirit of the holy gods in him. It was the spirit of the holy God. So Daniel's reputation preceded him. The God-given gifts he had previously demonstrated were remembered. The seeds he had sown previously were coming again to bear fruit. The loyalty he had shown God throughout the trials meant he was going to get another opportunity to be used for God's purpose. And this strikes a parallel with the story of Joseph as well, an anti-God king asking for the advice of a faithful servant of God because of a reputation they had gained for seeds they had previously sown. Now, maybe you've toiled over sowing seeds in people's lives before and haven't yet seen the fruit. This is a reminder that God is still working. Maybe there are gifts God has given you um, we haven't used for a while, or we've forgotten about or grown disheartened in pursuing as you haven't seen obvious fruits. Now remember, under King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel used to be the chief of the wise men. The fact he doesn't get called in with this first group, which suggests he is no longer recognised in that position. He may have been thinking his season of interpreting messages from God was over. This is a reminder that God is still working. He may well want to uh, start utilising your gifts once again. So the seeds we sow uh, and the gifts we use during this season may come to bear much fruit or be remembered in the future. So how might we do that? Um, so for starters, uh, if you can interpret dreams, uh, this story would suggest it's a good thing to keep doing. What about some other stuff? Uh, so speak hope. And I think this is such a powerful one. Um, when the world around us is filled with fear, doubt and worry, let's speak hope. It may go unnoticed right now, but people may later question why we had hope in this time. And parents are using this time that you have now to sow hope and love into your children. About working hard, even at this time, working from home when your boss isn't looking over your shoulder. Let's remain committed to our work, to doing the best job we can. Colossians 3, 23 to 24 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. What about generosity? Finances may be tough at the moment with reduced hours or job losses or fear of redundancy. Or maybe your finances have never actually been better with the reduced social life um, and, and the commute, not having to commute. It means you find yourself with more money at this time. Maybe we can sow seeds with our generosity. A kind act for a neighbour. Sacrificing some time to talk to someone who would appreciate a phone call. The list can go on. And this isn't about doing more out of obligation. This is about being obedient, using the gifts we've been given. This is about doing more out of love for those around us. So I say keep sowing seeds. And finally, speaking truth. So Daniel is brought before the king and notice how he isn't afraid to speak the truth, even in the face of hostility. So imagine being Daniel in this situation. You've just entered this party that you weren't invited to. All the guests are now looking to you. 
Uh, you're well aware that kings um, have a reputation for killing bearers of bad news. Um, and you've been asked to interpret this message that's on the wall. I'd be thinking to myself, come on, please be something positive. Please be something positive. And then you read, many, many, tekel, parsing. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. I think you're not really the positive message I was after, God. How easy would it have been for Daniel to have made something up to appease the king during his party? To twist the interpretation to something a bit more positive. But no, Daniel was not afraid to tell the truth to the king. He was obedient to God and spoke the message God had given. Verse 22 says, But you, Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You have the goblets from the temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines, drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. It's clear with the king that God sent the hand to write on the wall as judgment because Belshazzar had defied God. He had not humbled himself and instead had turned to idols. Daniel had the courage to speak truth. So are you facing any situations right now that you need to speak truth. Maybe you're facing some hostility um, and need courage to speak up for what you know is right. Or maybe someone is giving you a hard time because of your faith. Let's learn from Daniel and ask God for the boldness to speak the truth. Now I was thinking about how we can do this practically um, and was reminded of 1 Peter 3 verse 15, which says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And this challenged me this week. How can I always be prepared to give the reason for the hope that I have and be ready to speak truth? It got me thinking about my testimony. So thinking it through, I always start my testimony with. So I uh, grew up in a Christian household. I went to church every week. Um, I used to enjoy the Sunday school stories, which is which is fine. Um, but it's not the reason for my hope. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm incredibly grateful for my upbringing um, and my parents taking me to church. I was very blessed to be introduced to Jesus at such a young age, but that's not the reason for the hope that I have. If the reason was just because my parents took me to church, then I would have stopped going when my parents gave me the choice. No, the reason for the hope that I have. I know God's overwhelming love for me. I've seen his guiding hand at work in my life, leading me to where I am today. I have known his peace and his comfort in difficult situations. He looks past my brokenness and my weaknesses and speaks life. I see his handiwork in creation all around me. As we've been researching about our little baby currently growing inside Roslyn, all the intricate details, my mind is blown and my faith increases. And I know that that God chose to send his only son to die on the cross for me for you, to pay the penalty for all the times I have messed up, so I can stand knowing I'm a child of God. That is the reason for the hope that I have. And I'd encourage you to reflect on your testimony. Remind yourself of the reason for the hope you have and be ready to speak that truth when the opportunity arises. And we see God's hand appear in numerous occasions in the Bible. It was God's hand that wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets, providing the law 
for which people were to live by. A law that if you actually look into it, was designed to protect people and allows us to live in harmony with one another and God. But we messed up, we, we turned away from God, we went our own way. And the result is clear in this episode, God's hand appearing this time to give judgment. And the reality is that judgment is coming for all. God has such a high standard of holiness that we, were, we are all judged and found to be wanting. Something that needs to be taken seriously. But this story in Daniel is not the last time God's hand appears in the Bible. Now, I always like to try and think of a, um, a personal example to compare with the passage when preaching to really bring the message home. Now, the best example I have actually happened in Disneyland. Um, as I was just getting off a roller coaster, um, a big white glove appeared connected to what can only be described as a mouse in red shorts. I started to write on the wall. I'm just, I'm kidding. Um, unfortunately, and rather unsurprisingly, um, I don't have many experiences of hands just appearing in midair. But a plane did fly over Disneyland that day. Um, and as I looked up into the sky, the plane started writing in huge letters in the sky, Jesus saves. And the good news of the gospel message is that in an act of God's hand being nailed to the cross, the judgment that we deserve was passed to Jesus, the perfect lamb. Now John 3, 16 and 17 Famous verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We are found guilty in comparison to God's holiness, but are saved completely by grace through faith in Jesus. By believing in Jesus, we are completely forgiven. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we now have hope. If we run after Jesus and seek his face and put him as number one in our lives, we start to displace idols that are built up. As we run after Jesus and study his character, we will continue to sow seeds as we look to follow his example, building a reputation of obedience. And as we run after Jesus and see how he spoke nothing but truth in the face of such hostility, how he endured the cross for each one of us, we can have confidence in him and ask for the Holy Spirit to give us the courage to speak truth to others. And to finish in response of the words of judgment written to Belshazzar in this chapter, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, although our earthly days may be numbered, we now get to spend eternity with God in heaven. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we now receive the righteousness that can only come from him and your kingdom is divided. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we get to enter into God's kingdom, and we have full confidence that his kingdom will reign forever. So I'm just going to pray as we finish. Yeah, Heavenly Father, um, we just want to pray that you, you would enter our lives, Lord. Just pray that you would um, highlight any idols that have, have creeped in, any things that have displaced you um, in priority in our lives, Lord. And we just pray that you would highlight them. Just help us seek after you and help us displace those idols and scrap those idols, Lord. And yeah, Lord, we just pray that you would give us each ideas of how we can um, sow seeds, sow seeds of hope, be obedient to you in situations in our life, Lord. Lord, I also want to pray that you would give us courage to speak the truth. I want to pray specifically for anyone right now who is facing situations of hostility where they they need to speak truth 
you would give them the courage to do that, Lord. I just want to thank you for the cross as well. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. Ask this in your heavenly name. Amen.